Welcome to the 11th episode of season one of the Simplify and Multiply show. On this episode, I will be interviewing Beth Azor of Azor Advisory Services. If you are a solopreneur and want growing your business to be easier, welcome to the Simplify and Multiply show. Hosted by award-winning creative, business development expert, and tactical coach, Terry Pappy. The Simplify and Multiply show promises to become your practical, tactical, and motivational guide to succeeding as a solopreneur. Hey there, Solo. I'm Terry Pappy, and I created Simplify and Multiply to provide you a place where you can discover how to make your business more profitable. I'm going to do this by helping you remove the complexity from marketing and business development. So if that sounds good to you, listen in. You are going to absolutely love this episode because I really believe that some of the biggest challenges that solopreneurs have is with sales and selling. And I promise you that you will get so much value out of this actual interview with Beth Azor. Now, I met Beth uh, last year through the National Speakers Association, and she is smart as a whip and has so much experience in sales in the real estate, commercial real estate area. And one of the things that I, I wanted to have, her, why I wanted to have her on here was so she could actually take her knowledge in sales and commercial real estate and all the training that she's done and really just kind of parlay that into the solopreneur world. So she is going to very much speak to what it is like to be a solo, which she is, although she her business is growing uh, and has been growing. And uh, one of the things that I love about Beth is that she has been doing this for so long and she is a expert. She has the hours and she'll share, you know, her expert level with you in the actual interview. Now, she's a a 33-year veteran of the commercial real estate industry. She, uh, the name of her company is Azor Advisory Services, and she specializes in consulting services, training, uh, sales and leadership coaching for real estate professionals, uh, particularly in the commercial area. And she does like uh, uh, market analysis, acquisition, due diligence, all of that wonderful stuff that goes into that that big ball of <laughs> that we know is the commercial real estate industry. She also owns and manages a $79 million portfolio of commercial retail properties in Southeast Florida, down here where I'm located. And she recently wrote and published uh, Don't Say No for the Prospect um, that she published I think it came out right after the new year in 2019. So I'm really excited for her. She's definitely going to be a very prolific writer. I can feel it already. Um, And her Don't Say No for the Prospect is you can get it on Amazon if you're interested. It's a guide to help propel the career of both the beginner and the experienced leasing agent in the commercial real estate uh, business. Now, she's also a frequent guest on business and commercial real estate podcasts and hosts a monthly Rockstar book club that um, it's a call where they review nonfiction business related books, which is pretty cool. Um, her clients include Bricksmore Properties, Urban Edge Properties, the Shopping Center Group, 
uh, Phillips Edison, Kimco Realty, and DLC Management Group, some real big players in commercial real estate. Now, she's also a graduate of FSU, and she is the past chairman of the board and founder of the FSU Real Estate Foundation. So she's really found her niche. And I want you to really listen to the underlying uh, messages that she's sharing and how you can parlay what she's talking about in this actual interview about sales and prospecting and developing your business and how you can lay that on top of actually what you're doing in your business. So let's go ahead and get that interview started with Beth Azor. Hello, Beth. It's so good to have you here. Thanks so much for coming by and sharing some wisdom about sales and authorship and being a solopreneur with the Simplify Multiply audience. Thank you, Terry. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really uh, excited to be here. Fabulous. Well, listen, I always like to get started by just kind of giving you the stage and letting you talk a little bit about when you started your business and how all that unfolded, because I think you've got a really cool story. And the, I love the training aspect of it, of what you do, and how you mix digital with very, very traditional sales. So go ahead and just share your story about how you got started and why you got started. Sure. I was with a big company uh, for 18 years. I started as a rookie in the training department, grew through the company, and was the president the last six years I was there. However, I was a single mom of a beautiful young boy, uh, four years old at the time, when I decided to leave that big company and all of its comforts and trappings and uh, you know, went out on my own. And I really had no idea what I was going to do. But I knew that working 80 hours a week after I had a child at the age of 40 was not in the best interest of his and my relationship. Mm -hmm. So gave up the big job and started working out of my house. And uh, I'm in commercial real estate. So my goal was that I wanted to start investing in some properties on my own account. I had been doing that with my partner at the other firm for a few years and so I thought if I could buy a property, you know, one property every two years, that, you know, that would be great. And I had no idea what else I was going to do, but I was going to take some time off and, and focus on my son. And I became the kindergarten room mom and the t-ball coach. I went back to school because uh, I had gone to Florida State University, but left having three classes to complete my degree. And my mom on her deathbed the year before said, you know, I love you and we've all have had a great life and all's good, but do me a favor and go back and get your degree. You're three classes short. <laughs> so even though it didn't really matter to me and I had had a phenomenal career, it mattered to her and I promised her that I would do it. So that was something, another thing that I wanted to check off the bucket list when I left that big company. So I did all those three things. And, and, and Terry, I have to tell you, my son, Alex, is 18 now. And if you asked him, what were the top five things that your mom did in her life that was the most meaningful? He would tell you being the t-ball coach of his five-year-old <laughs> team was I one of his it. fondest memories. So he he says that to this day. So I, that's wonderful because I know I made the right decision because it was not easy living. You know, I left a company where I was running, you know, I'd been there 18 years and we had 150 employees making a crap ton of money. So, 
And I left really, you know, without a parachute. So uh, I started getting phone calls from, from companies in the industry of commercial real estate asking me to come teach their leasing agents how to fill shopping center vacancies. And they were asking that because I had done that at my prior job all the whole time I was there. And I thought, well, that's interesting. I love teaching and I think I could do that. The first company that called me, they were out of Detroit though, and it was January. And they said, would you come to Detroit and train four kids that we just hired out of University of Michigan? And I'm like, "Mm, January, Detroit. I don't think so, but you have an office in Boca. So why don't you send those four kids down here and I'll do a week training program. And it was a huge success. And that took off, you know, and certainly not planned. And um, that's probably about 20 to 25% of my world today is traveling around. And this is now I've been gone since 04. So started this in 04, 15 years of training uh, commercial real estate agents, how to fill vacancies in shopping centers. And, you know, as you know, we're, our shopping center industry is on the front page of every newspaper every other day. So that keeps me pretty busy. Yeah. Good. So I, um, so I, I do own a, a few properties and I do this training thing on the side and, um, I got involved in social media a few years ago. I had an intern who walked in one day and I was the poo-pooer on Facebook. My sister was on Facebook. My assistant was on Facebook. And I used to say, how ridiculous, what a waste of time. You know, it's this, you know, negative Nelly. And then one day my um, intern walks in and says, I think we should do some Facebook prospecting. And I said, Facebook prospecting, how stupid is that? And then I thought, okay, that's not a very nice teacher thing to say. (laughs) So I said, well, I said, forget what I just said. And then, you know, very condescendingly said, oh yeah, you should go try that. Well, four days later, we had a signed lease with a chocolatier that was in South Florida in one location for 49 years, like the epitome of that guy's never going to open a second location. She had a lease in four days. And I was like, I think I should get on this Facebook thing. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, we, you know, why Facebook prospecting works. And I know a lot of uh, folks uh, in your audience prospect, right? Yes. So. I would tell you, Terry, I've been prospecting for 32 years. You know, Malcolm Gladwell says that you're a world-class expert if you've done something over 10,000 hours. So I have figured out that I have prospected over 15,000 hours in my career. So I am a world-class expert, okay? Mm. I will tell you, I have never seen the results from prospecting as we see on Facebook today. It is miraculous. And the reason it is, is because there's three reasons. One, well, first of all, Facebook only allows you to Facebook prospect, which means sending a DM or a message, going to, like, let's say you want to contact a kitchen and design store. You go to the kitchen and design store's Facebook page, you click on a little blue bar that says message, and you say, hey, I've got a vacancy in a shopping center in Boca. Are you interested in opening another location? Facebook only allows you to do 10 to 12 of those a day. So very easy in 15 or 20 minutes, you can, you can, yeah. right? Well, the other reason it works is because the gatekeepers don't monitor the Facebook pages. The owners of the businesses do. Mm-hmm. So in my normal canvassing and cold calling and prospecting, I have to go through gatekeepers. In Facebook prospecting, I'm going directly to the owner of the business. So ding, ding, ding. I'm getting the real answer. Number three, Facebook 
encourages the owners of the business to respond to all the messages. <laughs> so when you get a message on your Facebook page, Tara, I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but if someone sends you a message through your Facebook page, Facebook alerts you and says, hey, Terry, you have a message. If yeah, you they be, won't leave you alone. <laughs> right. If you want to be 100% you know, response, you want to respond. So basically, Facebook is helping you by encouraging a higher algorithm for those people to respond to you. And lastly, Facebook, it's a supply and demand thing. The average business owner today gets somewhere between 100 and 300 emails a day. We don't even delete our emails anymore. That's how voluminous they've become. Well, when they open their Facebook at the end of the day and they see a little blue circle in the top right and it says there's a one there, meaning one message, they can accomplish the one message and they open it. So we're getting of the 10 to 12 a day we send, four responses, a 40% response. Now three say no thank you, but we're getting on average a 10% yeah, I'll come see the space, which again, in 33 years of doing this, I've never seen results like this. That's incredible. And, you know, from just to jump in on this right now, it's obviously Facebook rewards engagement. They encourage that, that, you know, keeps everybody drinking the Kool-Aid, so to speak. But when you're looking at Facebook as a prospecting tool, because a lot of people say, oh, no, I got to go do it on LinkedIn, you know, find my person and then go through traditional channels, so to speak, even if you're messaging on LinkedIn. But Facebook is more is not as, quote unquote, professional and people aren't used to being approached from a business perspective unless it's through an ad uh, that way on Facebook. So how do you how do you reconcile that? Or I'm not seeing any pushback whatsoever. Now, our, our clients, you have to know who your clients are. So our, we have two, two kinds of clients. We have the mom and pop retailer. So kitchen and design, the local coffee place, a local bike store. Those are the ones we're targeting on Facebook. Okay. The nationals, Starbucks, Sherwin-Williams, Panera, those we reach out on LinkedIn. Okay. But the mom and pops, I, we're having zero problem. They are loving it. And, and I'm teaching this around the country. I just got an email. I did a round table at an event in Austin at the end of February, a president of a real estate company who owns shopping centers texted me over the weekend or emailed me and said, Beth, I can't believe it. Friday night, I started doing your Facebook prospecting thing. I have two showings already set for next week. This is miraculous. That's fabulous. And that guy's from Phoenix. So I guess we all this owe this all to your intern then, huh? <laughs> yes. It, you know, and someone, someone was asking me on another podcast recently, uh, what can young people learn from old people, older, you know, vets in the industry? And what can vets learn from young people? And I said, absolutely. The young people are the ones that, you know, if it wasn't for McKenzie, I wouldn't be teaching Facebook prospecting all over the country. Yeah, well, they they were born cable ready, those guys. <laughs> Absolutely, 100%. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. And so what is the wisdom that gets passed down to people of McKenzie's generations? Well, so what I said to her, to this other group was I said, um, you know, if you have the opportunity to have someone in your company that has a wealth of experience and you can go sit in on a negotiation, 
right? Mm -hmm. uh, and just, you know, I, I, what I said is young people don't call and say, can I take you for coffee, right? We don't have time for coffee. I wish we did, but busy, busy, successful people, if I, if, if I had coffee with everyone that asked me to have coffee, you know, it, it's just, it's too hard, but I'll jump on a phone call or, you know, if, if they're in your company or in their office, I tell the young people, offer to bring that person a cup of coffee, you know, say, can I bring you a cup of coffee? And by the way, can I just sit in the next time you have a, a negotiation call? Or can I sit in the next time you make a cold call? Or can I go prospecting with you if you're going to do it? You know, feed on the street is what you, my favorite way to do it. And, and if I'm going to do it and someone wants to hop along or sit in my office and listen, Absolutely. As long as I'm not, you know, if I'm already doing it, I have no problem if anyone wants to listen in or, or, or hop along. I just had two kids here today for about five hours. They were shadowing me from Florida State on their spring break. I loved it. And, you know, I did nothing. You know, the only thing I did differently was we actually went out to lunch. Usually we eat lunch in, but we took them out to lunch. But um, I just went along my day and they just observed and then they had questions during lunch and it was great. That's awesome. What a, what a, <laughs> that's unusual to hear on spring break. Someone actually is going through a learning process. <laughs> I know. I, I, we did a video. I'm, I'm so, you know, I love social media now. I went from zero social media to now I'm a fanatic and I did a video because they are part of the FSU Real Estate Society. And I always tell the kids, you know, spring break and Christmas break is the best time if you want to come shadow. And, you know, I don't, not a lot of them take me up on that, obviously. So this today I did a little video with the two guys and I'm going to post it on the Real Estate Society Facebook page saying, congratulations to these guys. They came and chatted me during spring break. That's awesome. Yeah, that's a way to close that loop. That's for sure. Well, you're going to be in trouble next year. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. I wish that was the case. Next thing you know, you're going to be creating a program called the Spring Break Training for go. real estate, up-and-coming real estate training, pros. Spring Break Training. I like that. There, there's a little baseball thing there, right? Yeah. Yeah. Way to hit a home run in real estate. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm writing these down, Terry. You're, Get it. You're Get doing it. That's, it. that's right, man. And so one of the things that I wanted to uh, just kind of get you to do your stream of consciousness on is prospecting. Many of the uh, folks in the audience are doing prospecting in a lot of different ways, depending on their business and depending on their specific audience. Yet there are a lot of them that are, I don't want to say, I don't want to sound all judgy and everything, but they rely a lot on digital, if not wholly on digital, as opposed to doing the feed on the street, as you say. And I believe in that they all have value, regardless of your business. Correct. Uh, so I go out feet on the street once a week, usually on Tuesday afternoons, not today, from one to five. And my rule is 30 business cards or three hours, whichever comes first. And my job is to find mom and pop retailers who will fill vacancies in shopping centers. So if my job is to find mom and pop retailers that have locations in shopping centers to go to my shopping centers, where am I going to find them? I'm going to find them in other shopping centers, right? And mm -hmm. I have tried to cold call them. Facebook works, but I only can do 10 a day. So my leasing agent is out there doing 54 times a week. I just do the 30 once a week. 
you know, because I have her doing it, but I, I think it's so important to stay in touch. So I continue to do it once a week early on in my career. When I was just a hundred percent salesperson, I was doing a hundred a day. I would get in the office around eight, do some paperwork. I'd leave by nine 30 because the stores opened at 10. I'd be out till about four. And then I'd go back and do some paperwork in the office. So I think it's important when you're prospecting is to understand who's your client and, or, or your prospect, you know, where are they, you know, are they, um, you know, give me an example of a business that someone would prospect for. And then I could, I could give some ideas. Terry will be right back with the rest of the show in just a moment. One of the things I hear from solopreneurs is that they sometimes feel a bit disconnected by the sheer nature of their work. What they long for is peer-to-peer camaraderie, support, and the sharing of ideas with other solopreneurs. I know it can be a bit lonely when you're working from your home office or traveling by yourself serving your clients. When I created Simplify and Multiply, I wanted to change that. I wanted to create a place where solos could gather, share ideas, as well as challenges with others who understand what it's like to be a solopreneur. Well, that's what you'll find at the Simplify and Multiply Peer Club. Although it's free to be part of the Peer Club, you do need to be a solopreneur to join. Head over to simplifyandmultiply.com and learn more about this community and how it will benefit your soul as well as your business. Again, that's simplifyandmultiply.com to learn more. Well, let's say, for example, that you're an interior designer. So you're dealing at the consumer level and you're looking for homeowners in not high level, like million dollar plus homes, Mm -hmm. uh, but maybe a uh, homeowner that has bought a a home that's maybe 20 to 30 years old. And they uh, basically just they either just moved in and or they've lived there for a while and they they're just at the point where like it's tired it needs updating but they don't just want to like get a new kitchen they really want just to put some life back into it or whatever the case may be basically they need (laughs) they need help and they may have a budget anywhere from 10 grand to 100 grand depending on how much they want to do the remodel so for that interior designer at the consumer level which would be regional Uh, Not necessarily something that they would like travel to Aspen and do a lodge, but that's not outside the possibility. Right. So So, what type? Yeah. So what I would do. So the first couple of ideas that come to my mind is I would join chambers of commerces, maybe two or three that are in markets that are have homes that they think are their customers. So um, my chambers because the chamber so so an average chamber has about 300 business owners and they're that that w- the way you just described the homeowner it's that mm-hmm. person okay. so i would say that that's the income level you can target the city where you think the because ho- the people that join chambers are the people who live in that community mostly they live and work in that community yes. so um so if you said for example, I live in Davie, Florida. And if you said there's a lot of older 20 to 30 year homes, people are starting to renovate their homes in Davie. I want to target the, t- the Davie homeowner. I would then join the Davie chamber and I would 
see if I could host, you know, every chamber has either a breakfast or a business after hours. And I would try to create some sort of vignette somewhere. Maybe, maybe you have a business after hours in a home you just renovated in Davie, or maybe you could have a business after hours at a local furniture store in Davie where you are the host of the wine and cheese and you pat, you know, there's pictures on easels of homes you've renovated, or maybe you at a breakfast can do some sort of thing with easels and pictures, or you pass it on on the, because those, those 300 business owners have money, right? They own businesses. They probably, mm -hmm. like I said, live in that same city that you're targeting. And there's 300 that you get to talk to twice a month, because mostly every chamber has two events a month. So that would be one idea. The other idea, again, I, I'd solely be focusing and farming on cities, on like an area. So, if, or let's say right. it's Jupiter, Florida. I want mm -hmm. to renovate homes in Jupiter, Florida. I live in Jupiter. I know that the homes are 20 to 30 years old. Then I would say, well, what other groups can I join? Is there a women's club group that is mm -hmm. of the income demographic I want? So is it a junior league? Is it a church women's club. I don't know. Is it a women business owners club? You know, if women make the decision on home design, which I probably think that they do. Yeah. Right. So those, that's how I would prospect. I would not want to go home to home. Right. That would not be, I would not want someone knocking on my front door. <laughs> Unless they were selling fuller brushes. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Or those knives. But I, then, you know, you could also then you could also say, okay, well, what other vendors should I get? Should I go cold call? Right. So could I go cold call the kitchen and design, uh, the the ten kitchen and design businesses in the municipalities or the cities that you want to do? And I would go and say, you know, I'm an interior designer. Uh, I like your product. You know, if you have anyone that comes in but they need help, do you have an you know do you have an in house kitchen? I would try to create partnerships. Right. between kitchen and design. And I'd go cold call feet on the street, those kitchen design people or those plumbing people, those, those bathroom there's, there's these in these warehouses, they have these places where you go in. I remember I wanted four new toilets. You know, I have two teenage boys. I needed four new toilets and I went <laughs> and I, it was beautiful. This place, it was like all these toilets, toilets and baths. And, you know, the guy was very difficult and I'm like, oh my, I need some help. So I think that an interior designer could go and it would be hard. It, it wouldn't be easy, but if they, if she brought them cookies, if she showed up at a kitchen and design place that she knew did not have an in-house interior designer, I would mm -hmm. think that that would be a value add for that kitchen and design firm or like place that she could go and it might take her four or five visits to kind of get in there. You know, like I always say, when I go to visit retailers, mom and pops, they don't even know who I am until the third or fourth visit until they kind of, until you walk in the door and they go, Oh, Jeannie, you're the interior designer until they can connect your face with what you do. You've not gotten far enough along to even have an, a, a possible conversation. But yeah. uh, and then making sure very important when you're prospecting is to always include and respect the gatekeeper because the gatekeeper has 
way more power than anyone ever gives the gatekeeper credit for. I, you know, Josie's been with me 15 years. I cannot tell you how many roofers and landscapers and electricians, you know, walk into our office. Is Beth here? Like completely ignore her. The ones that I hear about that come in are the ones that treat her with respect, learn her name, you know, and are pleasant. Not, I don't want anyone to come in and be a used car salesperson, but just, hey, I'm a roofer. I just wanted to know if Beth needs a roofer for her businesses, her buildings. I'm sorry, what's your name? Josie. Hi, Josie. I'm Guy. You know, can I leave some information? And they're respectful and they treat her like she has, you know, some say in it, which 90% of the time they have huge say on how your information gets passed through to the boss. Yeah, I'm so glad you talked about that, Beth, because one of the things that I've learned in sales is that the gatekeeper will actually help you make a sale. And building a relationship with a gatekeeper is not only respectful because you're respecting the person who hired them, which is the person you're trying to sell to, but also they could actually give you inside information that you would not normally get if you were approaching it from a combative standpoint. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, look, I um, I, I needed to try to get a hold of, do you know what, who Winn-Dixie is? You've heard of Winn-Dixie, right? Yes. Uh -huh. I had a client, uh, General Electric owned a shopping center and Winn-Dixie was coming up for renewal. To 43 phone calls, they wouldn't call me back. And my mm. client, GE, thought I was the most inept person ever. So I finally, <laughs> I, I'm like, what, what am I going to do? So, and the, the office was in Jacksonville. It's not like I could have gone and, you know, drove to Fort Lauderdale to their office. So I went to the cookie design, cookies by design, and I ordered a cookie, like blossom, like a cookie arrangement. And I wrote things like when Dixie's number one, and please call me all over these cookies. Oh and I got God, a call. Awesome. Yeah, I got a call back that afternoon. It was great. Oh, that's fabulous. Yeah. Sometimes just doing those special little things, even though they seem gimmicky and you try to talk yourself out of it. Well, don't talk <laughs> yourself out of it. I had a friend who sent a shoe in a shoe box. And just want to get my shoe in the door. Yes. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, another friend of mine sent a pizza at eleven thirty. Hey, enjoy oh lunch. God. When you get a chance, call me. I love it. It just, you know, people get bombarded and you have to do mm -hmm. something a little different. And, you yeah. know, it, maybe it's gimmicky, but who cares? You know, what What do you care? Yeah. They're going to eat the pizza. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I don't know what they'll do with the shoe, but yeah. they're like, hey, do you want the right. mate to your other shoe? <laughs> do you want the shoe back? Oh, my gosh. I'll that's come too pick funny. it up if you meet with me. <laughs> I know. So this is really cool. And, and one of the things that I did want to get you to talk about was your new book that came out in January. What a great thing to just launch uh, when you're starting a brand new year. And this is the Don't Say No for the Prospect, How I Went from a Sales Rookie to a Retail Leasing Rockstar to shopping center owner with more than 79 million in assets. I mean, that right there is a story in and of itself, Beth. So what I'd love for you to tell our listener is how you got the impetus to start the book, the guidance and the inspiration to do it, and what was involved in that journey of getting that book written? Well, that's a whole mouthful. So yes, I'm very, very excited and proud. Um, when I left the big company, I went to a book writing conference way back in 04. It was like the first thing I did when I left the big company after be, being the T-ball coach. And um, it was led by Mark Victor Hansen and Jack Canfield from Chicken Soup for the Lover's Soul. Yeah. And they uh, 
and Jack Canfield said, you need to write your 101 list. This is way before the term bucket list had come out. Mm. And he said, you can do it like in 15 minutes. Well, it took me about a month. But, <laughs> but one of the things on there was write a book. And then I hired Josie a few months later. And we sat down for our first meeting. And I said, I really don't know what you're going to do. But, or not, I, but I have a lot of things I want to do. And one of them is to write a book. <laughs> and so it took me 15 years to write the book. Uh, you know, and, and why I wanted to write the book is I just had a bunch of stories and as I traveled the country, you know, teaching my students, people always said, you know, we, they always said, when's the book coming out? We love the stories. We want more stories. So I knew there was a book in me. And by the way, Terry, I was an English literature major in college. So I was, oh, wow. yeah. So I, I love reading. And, but, you know, what, what overwhelmed me is every time I talked to someone about writing a book and I said, how did you do it? says, oh, every morning I woke up and I wrote, you know, 30 minutes. And that just overwhelmed me. And I was like, there's <laughs> no way I'm going to do that. So um, I recently joined um, the National Speakers Association. As you know, I, I think last year, last summer, it was my first event that I went to in Orlando. And I walked into an author's workshop, like a little like breakout room. And there was a panel with like, I don't know, eight authors on the panel. And um, they just, you know, talked about ghostwriters. And, you know, a lot of them, you know, half of them had ghostwriters. And, you know, like, we just dictate into a, you know, a little video, a little audio recorder. And then our ghostwriter, if you have the right one, can deliver, you know, your voice in, in a manuscript. So I, I, I said, that's it. I've been wanting to do this forever. I left there. I had someone in mind that I wanted, that I'd been chatting with over the years to do it. And she never, you know, I, I, I never really asked her, you know, assertively, you know, it was more like, Hey, what do you think? So I left that session. I went outside in the hallway of the conference room of the conference. I called her up and I said, Jill, I'm ready to write the book. I want to write the book. Are you in? If you're not in, I'm going to, there's, there's a, there's an exhibit hall with lots of ghostwriters over here. I'm going to pick one. And she goes, no, because it's perfect timing. You know, my husband and I just finished this project. I'm in. I said, okay, well, let's meet when I get back. We, we met three days later. She says, when do you want to get the book out? I said, I don't know. How long is it going to take? She goes, what about Christmas? I'm like, and this was in July. I said, we can get this done by Christmas. And she said, yeah, no problem. And we oh, did. Wow. And, and it was very exciting. And it's so awesome to have an, a book. It's just so awesome to have it accomplished. And we're now, now that we've figured it out and have the formula, we're six chapters into the next one, which I'm very excited about. The next one, this one is a bunch, is a collection of stories on how to get the negative, you know, the negative, um, you know, sentences out of your head. Like, uh, you know, oh, I think that would be a good client of mine. Well, I'm not going to go see them because they would say no. It's getting that. So it's a bunch of stories about how to, you know, be more confident and, and think more positively and to just go for it. The next book is going to be really a playbook and like a guide for the first year commercial real estate leasing agent. It's, this book was about 130 pages. That one's going to be 300. That one's going to be one of those books that to get into the commercial real estate business, you'll have on your desk and you'll go back to it. And it's very going to be very thorough. And I'm, I'm super, super excited about it. 
almost like a curriculum slash reference guy. Exactly. Real estate pro. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That's, and that one's going to be an undertaking for sure. Yeah. We're, uh, we're six chapters and the goal, we have a big conference in August. So the goal is that they'll be done by, to go to the print, go to the printer by July 1st. So let's just finish up by, I want to circle back to what you were just saying about the negative talk that we get trapped in. And I know many solopreneurs who work in a vacuum. And when I say that, I mean, like we're working in our home office, we don't have a lot of interaction um, and we're traveling a lot and things like that. So it's easy to get into the negative storyline that we give ourselves when we're trying to accomplish something. And I've seen it more and more show up in when it comes to selling and marketing and really putting yourself out there. So can you talk just a little bit as we wrap up about what that is and kind of what you've discovered and what you could maybe share are some powerful tips that can help people to stop doing that and just reframe? Sure. Uh, you know, I, it's, it's scary doing, you know, it's scary asking people to buy your product, right. Or buy your service. Uh, so that's where it comes from. It's, it's, it's something that, you know, you're, you're afraid of because you're afraid of the rejection. And, you know, I, I had a young, I have a young man living with us. Um, his parents got laid off from both of their jobs and they had to relocate and he was going to be a senior in high school this year. And he was very involved in the high school. And, you know, we, he's staying with us for a senior year. And one night at dinner, he was talking about that he had designed this girl. He wanted to ask her out, but he was chicken. And, you know, my boys were, you know, kind of making fun of him and, but not really. And just, you know, go for it. You can go for it. And I just said, you know, Ryan, you know, why don't you want to ask the girl out, Emma? And she, he said, well, she may say no. And I said, but buddy, she's already said no because you haven't asked her. So you're already at no. So I think that, and he said, you're right. And then two days later, I asked her out and she said, yes. And wow. he, and he, like, he, we have this button, we have a button that we sent, sent with the book or the early copies of the book. And it's, you know, uh, like the, the old staples button, it's easy. And it says, I, you push it, it goes, don't say no for the prospect. So we're always pushing that around <laughs> in our house, you know. So um, the negative thoughts in our heads is our fear, you know, and our, our concern about getting rejected. You know, early on in my sales career, I used to listen to Tom Hopkins. I wore his tapes out. And he used to say, how much, if you got a successful deal, what, how much money would that make for you? So let's say you could make $500 from a deal. So, uh, and let's say it took you 50 you had to knock on 50 doors to make the 500. He said, every door you knock on that you walk away from, say, thanks for the $10. Because every door equaled $10. 50 times 10 equaled 500. And as soon as you got you know, to, to finish around the 50 mark of those doors, you'll have made a deal. So there's value in every door that turns you away. You learn and you, it's, it's sales is, you know, Terry, you know, this, it's all a numbers game. Yes. So if you talk to one person a day, your completed and executed purchases will reflect that. If you, if you, and so I always tell people, keep your stats. So start with one a day. And at the end of the week, you've made five cold calls or you've, you've gone to five you know, uh, kitchen and design stores, if you're that interior designer, 
and and then make notes in a journal, right? Just say, okay, one was terrible. He kicked me out. You know, one actually talked to me. You know, make notes and learn from it. In the once you do it consistently, you will learn that the same objections. You, you're going to end up with three or four of the same objections, and then all you have to do is think about those objections and figure out how to overcome them. And nine times out of 10, overcoming objections is not disagreeing with the guy, it's actually agreeing. You know, well, I don't really, you know, need to hire you as an interior designer because uh, most of my clients do it themselves. Well, you're probably right, you know your customer more than I do, they probably do it themselves. Uh, is there, you know, has there ever, has there been anyone in the last six months that, you know, asked you, if you knew somebody, you know, so you've agreed with them, you haven't made them wrong. And, you know, agreeing with people that have objections, nine times out of 10, they're really not objections. They might just want to be get, trying to get rid of you. And again, I, I'm very respectful of people's time. If I sense that instinctually, mm -hmm. that this is not a good time, you know, so sorry. And I walk out, I don't, I'm not one of those hanger honors. I've got to stay until I get them, you know, no, just, <laughs> just leave. Yeah. You know, there's, there's 4,000 other places to go. So um, it's, it's just the negative thoughts in your head, you know, that you're, that you're fearful of, you're fearful of objections of the rejection. And, and unfortunately the only way to overcome that, as we all know, is to just jump in and do it. And yeah. it's scary. So what some of my ideas is, you know, go with a friend book, say, okay, I'm going to go, I want to go to 10 kitchen and baths. Will you, my friend, another solopreneur who has nothing to do with this business, just go with me. And then if you set a date, I always tell my leasing agents this, set a date with a competitor or a peer leasing agent. You're not going to cancel on that person. See if maybe you can find a solopreneur that could sell some, you know, something, maybe that's complete, maybe it's social media services consulting services, PR services, and the two of you go pick 10 businesses that you can pitch together. And maybe you'll get a client and she'll get a client, but doing it mm. together will be less fearful. Yes. And you hold your, each other accountable. You can give each other feedback and you won't cancel on each other because trust me, your biggest competition of prospecting is yourself <laughs> and the yeah. comfort oh, of the so butt true. on the seat in your home. Yeah, you said it. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's so valuable, Beth. I really appreciate everything you've shared. It's just gold, gold, I tell you. <laughs> well, there's gold in them darn hills. 33 That's right. years of canvassing. I've learned a lot. And then we just have to go out and get it because there are people out there that need our good stuff. So get get our butts up and get out there and hit the street. Well, I, I, so, and I would just say this, I mean, is there, think of, for all you people out there listening, is there someone you'd hire today for something that you need if they asked you? I know I, I would like to have uh, hurricane windows in my house. If someone sent me snail mail, if I saw an ad on Facebook, if someone dropped off a hanger thing on my door, if my neighbor said, I use this guy, you should use him. 
I mean, if someone, if I ran into someone at a chamber of commerce, I'm sitting next to them at a breakfast, what do you do? I put in hurricane windows. You do? I need them. Now, mm. I'm going to do my homework and make sure that I have the right price and they have, you know, a good reference. But I, t I bet everyone that's listening would hire someone that they need something done in their life and they just haven't had the time to go research it. And if the person plopped in front of them and was proactive and said, hey, do you happen to need hurricane windows? Someone's going to say yes. Yeah. So it's a, incumbent upon us to be proactive to ask the question. Exactly. And just put ourselves out there, just like you learned by going on Facebook and doing what you were doing. I mean, exactly. how awesome is that? That's a great that's a great story, too, by the way. Well, listen, Beth, you have been inordinately uh, helpful to the audience here at Simplify Multiply, and I am so appreciative of your time. And don't be surprised if I invite you back for some more sales talk and getting everybody inspired about prospecting and growing their business. Thank you so much, Terry. I was uh, very happy to be here and I hope I helped. And don't be afraid, just go for it, everybody. Well, that's it for this episode. Thank you for joining me. You know, being a solo can be incredibly rewarding when you have the right guidance, resources, and community to help drive your business vision. The great news is that's exactly what you'll get with Simplify and Multiply. You've just listened to another episode of the Simplify and Multiply show with Terry Pappy. If you want to get free marketing and business development tips, templates, trainings, and more, head over to simplifyandmultiply.com and sign up. Learn how you can grow your business the easy way. That's simplifyandmultiply.com to join our growing community of amazing, talented solopreneurs out to simplify their business, multiply their income, and make a big impact in the solopreneur economy.